Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief from Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we continue talking here about the EV transition. So 2035 to go 100% EV sales. We yep. got some details yesterday from the Federal Environment Minister. And I just finished talking to Barry Penner. You know, I've been discussing this off air. The former environment minister, mm-hmm. he's now with a with an energy an energy group, and he says, "Look, we don't have enough power now. We're importing power now. Twenty percent of yeah, our power we, we this year." We did a piece year. last night in the Global News Hour um, on this. Uh, just our colleague Justine in the Global Mail's been writing. I've been writing about this for some time. Where is this energy? Where is this electricity going to come from? Yeah. You know, we have this. We want to electrify the economy, get rid of fossil fuels, which is great, but the expectations I think exceed the um, the reality. Is right now we're we're importing a massive amount of electricity because of drought conditions. And it, did a piece last night. Few people realize in normal years, BC Hydro sells electricity yeah. and makes a lot of money. Yeah. Last year made a bill more than a billion dollars selling to American states. Now we're importing power from the American states. As Barry Penner points out, much of that power comes from coal-fired generation uh, or fossil fuel power. Some of it is hydro. To be clear, right. but some of it, a lot of it is. I think you told me it was fuel. a sixty percent yeah. fossil fuel generated. Yeah. So uh, now, site um, C is going to come online eventually, although it's being delayed. They can't fill the reservoir because of drought conditions. Uh, they've got a power call going out next spring. First power call in sixteen years. And Rick McCandless, former assistant deputy minister, who's got intervener status at the BC Utilities Commission, so he has. Uh, access to all kinds of documents. We had him on the news hour last night as well. Uh, he had a paper out a few weeks ago saying that hydro is going to go all wind. It's all going to be wind power oh. in the, for this power call, likely in the northeast part of the province. He also points out, and I, I uh, point people to a piece, good piece in the Seattle Times last month about this massive wind power project in Washington State. Massively unpopular yeah. to local residents. Because yeah. anyone who's been near a wind turbine, it's... You know, you don't want to live next to a coal plant. You also don't want to li- live next to a wind turbine. Yeah. It's noisy and huge, and it's they're ugly. Yeah. And McCandless estimates to generate the power that's required, you need about 600 to 700 turbines Good grief. to be built. Oh. Now, they're not going to be built in downtown cities. They're out in the countryside. Sure. But they are uh, very noticeable, very noisy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they ultimately transform the landscape in a much negative way. So we're sort of damned we do, damned we don't. But we need more electricity. It's it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, we got a real reality check here from Barry Penner here in that last segment as he was breaking down some of the the power constraints that were under here in BC. Let's have a short listen to him here. Here's what he here's what he says about our energy uh, energy supply in BC right now. Have a listen. It is hard for British Columbians to believe it. They're so used to BC being uh, in a surplus and selling electricity to our neighbors that it's really hard to get your mind around the fact that we are now dependent on others for keeping the lights on here at home. Well, we're, we're dependent this year because of the drought conditions. Maybe, the, but it, it could be continuing drought conditions going forward. The, the, right. The, 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 
upcoming year is expected to be very dry as well. Yeah, right. So if this is the new reality, we're in a real pickle here. Yeah. Because where we've, for years, uh, developed, uh, relied on hydroelectricity. Yeah. Which we take these dams for granted, and we're building Insight Seas almost complete. Yeah. It's a very clean form of energy. We pat ourselves on the back for not having coal-powered energy in BC. We're all electric. We do have natural gas to heat homes. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is the new reality going forward. Where is this energy going to come from? So now hydro is moving to wind farms in this, starting with the call next year, but that's going to take a few years to establish. It appears run of the river and hydro's over in terms of building any more dams, even though there are site D and site E and such on the piece, but it seems that that's likely not going to, um, not going to go ahead. Solar doesn't seem to be the option that hydro's looking at. So uh, wind, and again, with a rising population, uh, even hydro's infrastructure grid, it's aging. That needs constant upkeep and, and maintenance. So this is a very expensive uh, thing going forward, but it begs the question, can we actually meet this goal of 100% car sales have to be electric vehicles? I, yeah. I, I, I've been in the you know, doubtful camp for some time, and yeah. I continue to be. Yeah, and the politics of this is interesting, too, because... You know, we played some clips this morning of the federal environment minister, Stephen Gilbo, saying this is going to be great for consumers. It's actually going to lower your costs when you go electric. And then you've got Pierre Polyev. Yeah, well, you can f- afford to buy it. And then Polyev on the other side saying, no, this is going to be bad because it'll drive up prices. And he says he would scrap this whole thing anyway. So let's listen to him here as Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader. This could amount to a, a car tax in the end, a very large car tax. And it will hammer the poorest people the hardest, as we know, as it always does. So common sense conservatives are going to protect consumers and businesses with by rejecting these kinds of extreme and radical policy shifts. It's <laughs> well, extreme and radical. He wouldn't do it. I don't know about that. But um, it also there's also an element in the argument here. Why are we encouraging people to remain in vehicles mm, yeah. just because they're electric? Yeah. Why not, If you're going to have all these massive subsidy programs and these incentives, why not put that money into transit, yeah. into rapid transit? Into trains, yeah. into into and uh, you sort of become more of a, a European model in urban centers, not about up country, yeah. but why not just have massive instead of getting continue to have congestion? If you put everybody in electric vehicle tomorrow, it doesn't solve the congestion problems on Highway One or or Highway Ninety Nine yeah. or the Massey Tunnel. It's it's still massively congested. So why not? divert people into other forms of transportation. Maybe that's a pipe dream, maybe, but we are basically locking everyone into the automobile culture, albeit in a cleaner energy way. It also seems kind of counter counterproductive if we're importing power that's generated by fossil fuels in oh, the United yeah. States. That's a great <laughs> we're, point we're, that Penner made. We're not very yeah, far yeah, ahead. You're going to have Barry Penner on your show a lot, I think, because yeah. Penner's got a, this new gig he's in. He's former environment minister. He was sort of the spokesperson for the cruise ship industry. Yes. And now he's got this new energy uh, thing, which is sort of an energy reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's, he's very good at sort of giving you a reality check on the whole thing. He's the chair of the Energy Futures Initiative. And uh, so when you start bl- breaking down the numbers, I mean, how, you know, we, we went over how long it took to build the Site C dam, right? And it's been delayed. Still going. And, yeah. And we're not going to be building any more big hydro. No. Hydro. Electric dams anymore. And hydro doesn't seem to have that on its plate. Like I say, Rick McCandless got himself some hydro documents that suggest they're going to go all wind. All wind, yeah. Let's uh, quickly finish up here with the WAC Bennett Mansion yes. in Kelowna on sale for $3 million. This is an historic building. 
It is indebted to a listener who sent us an email from, a, what is it, Kelowna? It's uh, in the Kelowna Now. Kelowna Now. Kelowna Now newspaper. Um, yeah, so the only home to two BC premiers. Yeah. W.A.C. Bennett and his son Bill, yeah. who was a little boy, grew up there. Uh, so it's been put on sale by the descendants of the Bennett family. It's still in the Bennett family. So this is a historical building in uh, Kelowna. They hope maybe someone will turn it into a bit of a museum. But it's uh, speaking of power. Yeah. Who built the first dams? W.A.C. Bennett. Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about energy in B.C., the father of father hydroelectricity, the visionary, was W.A.C. Bennett yeah. with the first dams on the Columbia River and the Peace River. And it's now an his am- home's up for sale. It's, it's an amazing-looking home. It is. $3 million for this mansion in Kelowna, the W.A.C. Bennett mansion. And it's got a lot of pictures of the interior from the, it's from quite, the real estate it's listing. It's visibly stunning. Well, it really is. The outside, but the interior as well. It's, yeah. it's quite a large uh, large house, $3 million. Yeah. It's yours. $3 million bucks, yeah. In Kelowna. And you look at some of these photos in the interior, you go, boy, if the walls could talk here, imagine the, well, uh, imagine the history there. Well, you legendary tea parties there. Yeah. Uh, 15,000 people would show up on the front lawn. Really? And uh, it was, uh, he's quite quite the colorful character of BC yeah, history. Yeah, for sure. It would be nice to see it turned into a museum, yeah. actually. I think it'd be great. Andre's yeah. beat, and we go right to your phone calls here. Frank in Parksville. Hi, Frank. Go ahead. Hey, two quick points. Number one, I don't think anybody really believes that this transition is going to happen that fast. I think this is politics, but I do appreciate that they're pushing us in that direction. Like, it's just like a all, all steam ahead. Let's do this thing. Let's stop talking about it. Let's actually make action happen. So the other thing is, um, around the uh, uh, Site C dam bit and wind, I actually like the look of a wind tower, you know, the one up on Grouse Mountain, I love staring up there. Uh, it, I saw them in Sweden all over the place. They dotted the landscape. They're not that ugly. As long as I can't hear it, man, go to town. <laughs> Set me up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, good point. Yeah, I like the one on Grouse Mountain, too, because I'm, I'm nowhere near it. It just looks yeah, right. like it's way up on the mountain, far away from me. Yeah. But I've been win- near wind turbines in yeah. Ontario, and, yeah, they can be very noisy. And they are sort of this jarring part of the landscape usually in very flat land because you want the wind you don't yeah. want hills around yeah. so it's these flat lands um you know maybe you get used to them i mean i remember going through bordeaux in france and just these massive wind farms there i guess people learn to live with them when wind has come into some problems in europe it's had a rocky road yeah um uh, and they're, they're seem to be getting their act together there but it, you know his point earlier i think a lot of people feel this way it's probably not going to work or uh, play out the way a lot of people think in terms of fighting climate policy. Right. But at least we're trying. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people sort of buy into that. Right. Um, we're, we're all heading in, in that direction. Head that direction anyways. It's just I think when the politicians, whether it's the, at these climate target conferences with the environmentalists, put these lofty expectations yeah. and these targets out there. We that, never hit these targets. That are unachievable. Yeah. Um, mask the fact that people do want to do something sure. about um, fighting climate change. But yeah. uh, some of these targets just seem to be unreachable. And as for the wind farms, won't there be a huge environmental fight over these wind farms too? Because don't the environmentalists fight them over like, well, they kill birds and they, uh, well, they, also, they disrupt animal migration. They're built with things that come from mines. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, so we'll have a fight over that and that'll get probably delayed. And Oh, it's going to take, it'll, it'll take some time to build all these things. Yeah. In, in fact, we go that way. John in Vancouver. Hi, John. Go ahead. 
Good morning. I'm hoping the two of you can update uh, the uh, Columbia River Peace uh, River uh, Agreement with the U.S. Originally in the uh, Wacky Bennett days, it was sold cheaply to the U.S. Um, uh, I don't know, I think about five years ago it was up for renewal. And uh, are we able to back out of that um, so that we can retain uh, more power for uh, our own use? Uh, Look forward to your comments. Yeah, so my understanding of the Columbia River is actually up for negotiation. The, the downstream benefits agreement is up for renegotiation right now. It does take some time to play out. It's not the Peace River. It's the Columbia River. And yeah. it was uh, brought under W.C. Bennett. Uh, it is up for renewal, I think, every five years, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's another fact. <coughs> excuse me, another factor in the whole energy situation is uh, – that particular treaty with Washington State. Malcolm in North Van. Hi, Malcolm. Go ahead. So I see that they're they're building these new EV charging stations up in the Squamish Forest Service and the Elaho Forest Service and then the Hatlitch Forest Service and the Chicotan Forest Service. What are these guys going to do, all these people with big trucks who haul their trailers and their boats and their families to go into the wild? Hmm. So what, what, uh, sorry, what's your point? You're saying that? Well, they, 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 it's inconceivable that you're gonna, you're gonna, you can't. As one guy alluded to yesterday, you can't go 300 kilometers, let alone miles, into the backwoods with a vehicle because EVs yeah. use their charge all the time. That's not that when you turn it off, it's it's stopped. It is charging and constantly using it by I think about one percent or two percent per day. So you you go off for uh, like a, a friend of mine went off. And he's got a uh, Tesla. He went off for four months. He came back, and he had a flat battery. Yeah. Okay, thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, that- so that's one of the concerns with EVs is charging power, charging stations. Now, the proponents will say, wait a minute, that's today. Yeah. Technology is changing. The batteries are getting better. The batteries are getting better. There's going to be more charging stations built, but that's still a little bit unknown in the yeah. future, and that's why there's still some doubts about this. Yeah, I mean, listening to Gilbo yesterday, the federal environment minister, he talked a lot about incentives that the government will be introducing to encourage the construction of this new yeah. charging network, to encourage manufacturers to build more of these vehicles, also for Canada to import more of these electric vehicles. We can't build these things ourselves. We have to import no. these vehicles. And so there'll be a fight for these EVs on the on the global market. And he says that Canada yeah, will have to do something about we're that. We're not the too. only jurisdiction trying to push EVs in terms of right. governments. Yeah. So it's a raise. there's only so many EVs produced a year. But again, the proponents say technology is changing in favor of having more EVs. Yeah. Thomas in Maple Ridge. Hi, Thomas. Go ahead. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay, so I worked in Fort McMurray for 16 years, and what they did up there to relieve the congestion on the roads was the companies like Syncrude, Suncor, whatnot, they uh, had coaches, buses that picked up their employees and drove them to work and drove them home, and they paid for those buses. Why can't these big corporations downtown Vancouver pay for these their buses to bus their employees back and forth on our highways. Well, there's fewer and fewer people working in downtown Vancouver. One thing of the pandemic, a lot of people moved to working from home. So there's not a lot of companies with huge workforces where something like that could happen. Fort McMurray sort of a company town yeah. where something like that would work. Speaking of which, I recommend for, the, for a book recommendation yes. is uh, – uh, Fire Weather by John Valen, uh, which looks at the Fort McMurray disaster 
the, yeah. the wildfire that consumed that town, but also frames it against the larger, fascinating narrative of the history of Fort McMurray and the oil sands, the history of the oil industry, and the broader look at the changing nature of fire and how it's really becoming much more. I've dangerous. heard some great things about it's that book, book, too.